welcome to the Red Chair again. Um, we have Jenny Fielding with us, very special guest from New York. Great to have you here, Jenny. Thanks for in having Lisbon me. At Indico. So excited to be here. Tell me your story. You're um, a law school graduate, but turned entrepreneur, turned VC. Recovering lawyer, as we say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so had a, you know, born and raised in New York City, had a pr pretty traditional kind of start to my career, which was in law and then in finance. So worked at some, you know, big companies. Um, and then, like many founders, I saw a problem in the world that I was interested in solving. But I didn't think of it in terms of starting a startup. Um, I thought of it as there's something that's not right, and I want to figure out if I can find a solution to when it. When was this? So this is 2007. Okay. Um, so it's kind of hard to believe because New York is such a, you know, big ecosystem, big tech ecosystem now. No. But back in the day, I didn't know any founders. Um, there wasn't co-working spaces, there wasn't communities, there weren't accelerators. There was really Silicon Valley and, and, and on this side there was London, right? And Correct. That was it, right? Yeah. And so, you know, New York, everyone was a banker, they were a consultant, um, they were in real estate, but All your friends. Um, they were in fashion, but they really were not in tech. And so when I had this idea, people kind of rolled their eyes, said, you know, you've got this good, you know, good career, what are you thinking? Um, but like most founders, you know, I just, it just nagged at me, you know, why? Well, this is something so simple. Why couldn't it be solved? So um, I was lucky to team up with some folks that were technical, as I was not. And nights and weekends, we would just, um, you know, kind of hack on a solution. Um, and I was working full time. And so we bootstrapped to the point where um, we could actually launch. And um, then funny story, because I ended up, um, you know, my co-founders were like, OK, we need to raise some money. And um, I was like, oh, well, I work at a bank. Like, I can find us some money. <laughs> so I didn't know about, like, angel investors. I didn't really know about, you know, venture, anything like that. I just knew that, you know, New York had a lot of wealthy people and that I was actually, you know, trying to solve a problem that could be useful for others. Um, so instead of, you know, again, going into, you know, the tech ecosystem, I just raised from, you know, clients uh, of the bank that I was working at. That was okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of them were said, you know, Jenny, you're so entrepreneurial, you know, you're just young, what, what are you doing here? And so when it came time to start the company, it was like, okay, guys, like, let's write the checks. Um, and what so, problem were you solving then? Yeah, so at the time, 2007, um, it was very expensive to make international calls on your mobile phone thousands of dollars. And I personally was racking it up because I had a relationship with someone that was living in Europe. And so, you know, at the end of the month, I hated getting the bill because I was like scared <laughs> to open it up. Um, you were getting and, it on the mailbox. Yeah. Actually. And it was and it was like charged by the minute, you know, and oh, it God. was just a really different time. Um, and so I just thought, well, we have calling cards, we have all the technology, like, I think there's a better way that we can string this all together. And so that because was, there was the, no Skype in the US, there was no, obviously no WhatsApp and obviously no, yeah, and no right. one was no, doing like, it on the mobile, right? So think of like what was happening in 2007, it was like the first iPhone came out and all of a sudden, like, you know, you had operating systems and so you really could, you know, develop technologies on top that sat on top of operating systems. So. Um, yeah, that was the, the first foray in, into entrepreneurship and um, learned a lot of hard lessons running that company, you know, everything from the people you team up to, to um, the capital that you end up taking, to your go to market and, you know, how you build your team. So I made a lot of mistakes, but um, yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh, 
it was a good way to, to start, get my foot in. And once I kind of, um, you know, dipped into tech, I knew that I'd found the thing that I was excited about. Yeah. What were the main things? You, you mentioned the team and, for example, the types of investors. Do you want to share a little bit of a couple of things that you think, you know, you should have known better or... Yeah, I mean, what's, what's great is that when you have the entrepreneurial experience, I went on to start another mobile marketing company and, and also learned lessons there. But when you have the experience as a founder, um, you know, when you then put on the hat as an investor, your perspective, you know, is, is what you can share and, and your history and the empathy that you have for founders is, is really um, prevalent. So, um, you know, for me, You know, I, I teamed up with some folks that were, you know, very technically competent, but like we didn't have um, a lot of shared history or a lot of experience working with each other. We kind of like rushed into something, right? And so I see a lot of founders now because they want to check the co-founder box, right? They meet someone, they're like, great, let's go. And while that can be exciting and fun, you're going to spend can be a disaster 10 well. years with these people. Yes. So mine wasn't a disaster, but probably just wasn't the fit. So there were just a lot of lessons that I learned um, around making sure that these are people that you're going to spend more time with these people than your friends, your family, your loved ones. And so you've got to just find the right, the right people. You've got to have great communication and kind of all those things. And I wasn't really thinking about it that way. I was thinking about it as like, okay, they were technical and they could help me get to where I wanted to go, which was very um, tactical, but it wasn't like long-term strategic. But do you think that people nowadays, they, they do that same mistake because it's so fast paced that they feel the need to get things done and just get hold of people, which are not, there's not that many people available anyway, right? So you just get hold of someone that can fill the gap in your team to... 100%. But I mean, how can you solve this? I mean, is there, could they do this differently, the founders today? Well, I mean, you know, if you're coming from another industry and you're just starting a company, it might be hard. But what's great about like, you know, the world now, you can come to Lisbon, you can be part of entrepreneurial communities and you can get to know people and you can vet people through other people that you know. And so it's just really important to build networks, right? Um, because then I think you can have a better sense of, you know, who these people are, what their experience is. Um, back in New York in 2007, like, I don't know, these people were there. There weren't a lot of people in tech. We didn't know people in common. Like the people I knew coming out of, you know, law and banking were just not going to be able to give me references on, you right. know, tech people. So I think now, um, you know, there's accelerators, there's, you know, so many events and communities that you can be part of. So hopefully that helps. But I still find founders, um, you know, today, they, they realize that, You know, the, the good thing is they realize that running a company by themselves is going to be hard. And so they have that first realization, which is great. Um, or they don't have a skill set that they need. And so they want to team up with someone. So I think the instinct is right. But the manifestation of like moving so fast, I think, can be hard. Hmm. Um, and as an investor at the pre-seed, I'm not, I can't look at metrics. I can't, what I can only look at people. is people. Right? That's, That's what you're evaluating. Yeah. And so you mentioned also in that experience that you learned about, you know, the type of investors you have. Uh, so you, you, you had some investors from, you know, your yeah. clients and stuff like that. But what did you learn in terms of picking the right investors? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's capital that um, is money, which is just a commodity. And then there's capital that's smart money. Right. And that can lead to um, insights that can those people can help, you know, guide you in many ways. They can provide resources. So I think every entrepreneur needs to think about what capital can unlock. Um, and in my case, I didn't come from the tech world and I was very green and it was the first time I was running a company. 
So having, you know, the experience of someone like you or someone that has, you know, been in the industry would have been very helpful for me. Um, it wasn't available to me. I didn't even really know about it at the time. Um, but I think, you know, as founders now evaluate capital, I always say, like, you know, just make sure these people are going to be with you for a long time, like your co-founders. Um, make sure that you guys have the same, you know, vision of, um, you know, the company will change, but what's your, what's your vision for running the company and just being aligned on that? And so um, the people that I took money from the first time, they were very outside of the industry. They didn't understand tech. And they weren't really interested in helping. They were interested in supporting me, which was great. But they couldn't um, help you. But they couldn't help you. And so, and I think that can be fine as well, but you just have to know what you're getting into. And and fast forward, you know, all of a sudden I saw founders later on that were taking smart money, you know, from people that could be helpful, insightful, unlock opportunities. And I was like, oh, that would have been great. Because <laughs> I had to figure different. that out myself. And exactly. so, you know, you learn a, hard, a lot of hard lessons. But right, one right. of them is making sure the right people are your cap table should you have that um you know, opportunity right of course of course and so you ended up selling that first company i sold that co first company um to in the, the middle of the financial crisis or how did that happen yeah well um like everything a lot of serendipity so i ended up um, sitting on an airplane next to um a guy who had uh, was running the largest prepaid payment processor um you know in the world And I tell everyone, we were sitting in the last row, so don't think you're going to meet everyone in business class. Um, we were actually going to a tech conference called CES out CES. in um, Las Vegas, and we were both kind of bumped from our previous flights. We were sitting <laughs> in the last row, and uh, we just started talking, and everyone on that flight was going to CES. And by the end of the flight, he goes, I'm going to buy your company. And I was like, oh, I've heard this before. <laughs> and uh, yeah, a few months later, we were in a process. So again, so much of you know my career has been about, you know, serendipity and I think you know just getting out there being you know meeting people and staying open to possibilities has been kind of the theme <laughs> right but that also shows you know that when you're in the US market those kind of things happen right that's so much harder in Europe that you're sitting next to someone on an airplane that will buy just because the M&A market particularly the tech M&A market is just not here I mean not at that level right so right that provides you know liquidity and it's, it's that's changing in a place like Lisbon so many changing. people are it's coming getting, through getting, getting much better investors so. and then so you did that and then and then what happened then yeah so another company, I right? started another company um, and um, I had a really interesting opportunity to run a corporate venture and innovation group so I sold my second company um, funny story and I was um, taking it I was going to take a year off and I was going to travel around the world And my first stop from New York was I ended up in London. And um, the first day I ended up meeting uh, the team at the BBC, the British Broadcast, mm -hmm. who was building out um, an innovation and venture group. So it was like my first day and I meet them kind of socially. And literally by the end of the night, they were like, okay, so you're coming and working with us. <laughs> <laughs> and so I ended up taking a job and my friends were like, But where did you go to travel? Like My friends were like, you made it one day without a job, Danny? <laughs> I was like, well. This is what, 2012? So this was 2010. 10. Yeah. So um, so it was actually a magical job. Um, so I worked at the BBC and, and essentially, um, you know, built a corporate innovation group from the ground up. And they really wanted an outsider who wasn't from the UK, um, who had been an entrepreneur. And so I checked a lot of those boxes and I'd always, you know, been a fan of the BBC and the mission. Of course. Um, and so, But it must have been a very different experience, right? It's not a startup culture very different. type very, of company. It's very traditional, very I'd say. Yeah. 
you know, yeah, very traditional. But the people that were, you know, the CEO, the head of digital were very um, entrepreneurial and they knew that if they were going to kind of reach their next goals um, as all around digital innovation, that they were going to have to kind of think differently. Right. And so we tried a lot of things, which was really fun. We um, we incubated companies, we spun out companies, we acquired companies, but I think the best thing we did was um, we started the first uh, corporate accelerator in Europe called BBC Labs. Oh. So I started that. Um, everyone thought it was like my 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 little side project, and you know had a had a space, and oh, this is this cute thing, and um, yeah, that turned out to be just this like incredible um, melting pot. We ended up incubating incredible companies and, um, it really was was investing in those companies. And we would invest in some of those companies. Um, and so we just tried lots of different things, but that was the thing that I think worked best. And, um, I really was opened up to this idea of, um, of acceleration and what that meant. And through that, um, I ended up meeting the folks at Techstars because... In London or in the U.S.? Really, all over globally, oh. um, just because I was running this um, this accelerator and there, right. there weren't any. And so I kind of like reached out to everyone that knew more about this and um, ended up meeting the folks at Techstars and just getting to know them. I became a mentor. They had um, a lot of folks ended up mentoring in, in my program and that was how it started. So again, just being part of the part of the ecosystem. Just being there. Yeah. Just being there. And so you moved back to the US? Yeah. So um, I was always kind of global. So for the the job at the BBC, I was between New York, San Francisco and London. Um, And um, when I met the when I met um, David Cohen, the founder of Techstars, he had actually um, a few years before (laughs) had tried to, um, you know, had told me about, you know, opportunities at Techstars and um, first time I turned them down. Second time I think I turned them down again. And then 2014, it was the right time. So um, I was like, "All right, I'm coming to join this, this, uh, this incredible, this great rocket ship." So. <laughs> and this was right at the beginning of when Techstars really expanded, massive, right? Massive. Yeah. So it was the time when they started partnering with corporates, yeah. and so that was like a real inflection point. And you had that experience in terms of and I had the that corporate. experience, and I had right. that experience. And so, you, so what did you do? You went there and yeah, so did lots of partnerships. Um, yeah, so the first program that I ran was at was around hard tech. Um, and so that was actually funny because when they when they called me about the um, about the hard tech, I was like, but I'm like working in digital media, like I don't know much about hard tech. And like, oh, Jenny, you know, you'll be fine. And I kept on thinking. So TechStars is based in Boulder, Colorado, and I kept on thinking, I don't know what they're smoking in Boulder, Colorado, <laughs> but I don't know anything about hard tech. And they said, No, 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 you don't understand. Like the companies know about the hard tech. Like you know about helping build and accelerate companies. So that was right. Um, but, you know, I was a little bit insecure in my first program and made sure I had, like, all these technical people around and had, like, technical EIRs and all of this. And, yeah, didn't end up not needing, not needing much of that because the problems were, you know, the not human the hard problems. tech, right? Exactly. Right. exactly. It's all about people and, and 100%, strategy. 100%. And so I was, you know, really lucky. My first investment in um, that cohort, um, the first company that I actually invested in uh, was a company called Latch in the connected security space. Um, incredible founders with this like crazy vision of reinventing like what a lock, what access could look like, but really from a software point of view. And, um, you know, many people were, were, you know, why would you invest in this company? There's so many lock companies out there. Like, what's the differentiation? But it was really about these founders. They had a vision. 
Um, and they just saw the world like fast forward, you know, five, 10 years out. And that was really what they pitched was like, here's the vision of the future. Um, and so invested in that company as well as like a, a great batch of companies. Um, fast forward, that company went public last summer. So it was pretty incredible. So seven and a half years later from, you know, two guys and a prototype and a big vision to, uh, you know, a public company. Amazing. Amazing. And so you stayed on at Techstars for a few years? Many years. Um, so I was um, I was kind of the, the go-to startup new program person. So we got the hard tech program going. Then we launched a fintech program in New York in partnership with Barclays. Um, I ran our um, our partnership with um, with a healthcare provider as well. And so yeah, it was it was really fun to kind of you know start and run these new initiatives. And through that, built a portfolio of about seventy five companies. Amazing. Yeah. And then you decided to leave and uh, do your own fund. <laughs> <sighs> I need a drink. <laughs> um, not exactly. So I was at Techstars for seven and a half years. And while I was at Techstars, so a few years ago now, so about four years ago, um, I was noticing something in the New York market. So when I started in 2007, totally nascent, no VCs. Fast forward to, you know, 20, um, you know, 14, 15, 16, so many small micro funds starting to kind of fill in the gap. But what was happening was that there was so much cash coming into the ecosystem that these funds that were $20, $30 million had now raised $200 million funds. And so the economics, as you know, if you're running a $200 million fund, you can't write 100K checks anymore. And so founders were going through my accelerator programs, brilliant companies, and they were coming out and they really needed to raise between 500 and a million. It was quite difficult. Um, You know, I have this great story, uh, a company that went through my program called Chainalysis blockchain analytics uh, company, you know, recently raised at a $4.2 billion valuation. Um, That company was very hard to get funded. Um, Came out through the program, really just wanted to raise a million dollars. Every VC took a meeting and said, I don't know if the market is is that big for for blockchain analytics, 2015. Um, And so I said, okay, the VCs are not going to work. Like, Let's start to call the microphones and, and the angels. And there just wasn't enough there. It was very hard to get that round together. And interestingly, a VC in Berlin ended up, I mean, the, they were originally from Europe. They came through my program. Right. We thought, like, this is a company to get funded in the U.S. And a, com- and a, a venture a fund in, in Berlin Europe. ended up, you know, leading the, the round. It was very disappointing to me because I was so excited for them to be there and, you know, really thought that this was going to be a massive company and why weren't people in the ecosystem investing. But the insight was really, you know, if you weren't raising, you know, three or four or five million dollar round, it was quite hard to get funded in, right. in New York. Because the funds were just not there. They, they didn't just want got to write bigger. Small checks. They got bigger. And so So you um, saw an opportunity. So I saw an interesting opportunity. Um, and convince the folks at Techstars to, while I was at Techstars, you know, allow me to, um, you know, in a part-time capacity, get this kind of, call it an angel fund, raised. Um, and so in 2018, started my first fund, um, you know, while I was also, you know, full-time. <laughs> and how is that going? Yeah, so, um, you know, it's been an amazing ride. We started out with, um, with 50 LPs that were founders and operators just in New York and just investing in local New York companies. Right. And now we have a community of, you know, 500 founders and operators who are all our LPs and they're the source of our deal flow, our capital and our community. And we've now invested in close to 200 companies. So That's it's amazing. been a... So what kind of, what kind of tickets do you do? 
Um, so right now we're writing 50 to 250. Um, so originally when I was kind of part-time, we were writing very small checks um, and we're starting to, to ramp that up. Um, and we're also quite active, you know, on the follow-on, um, on the follow-on, so. And you do that globally or no longer just New York, of course? Yeah, so we were able to tap into, you know, incredible founders and operators around the world. And so, you know, now we invest in places like Nigeria and Sao Paulo and, um, you know, all through this kind of distributed um, ecosystem of founders that are seeing deals early, um, looking at them, vetting them, and then sending them to us. And hopefully Portugal soon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Portugal is, is on the list. That's why I'm here. <laughs> why are you here, by the way? What are, what are you doing here? <laughs> Um, you know, there's such a rich fabric in Europe that I try to spend, you know, at least two months a year here catching up with, you know, founders, our community. Um, you know, tomorrow we're hosting a dinner, um, you know, just to make sure that we're involved in all the entrepreneurial um, activity. But across Europe, we've got, you know, dozens of founders that are in our portfolio. And so the next iteration of our fund is really figuring out how to stitch these communities together. Um, you know, until three months ago, I was part time, you know, at the fund. And so kind of did the best I could. Um, but now that I'm full time, I you see have now left Techstars. I've now left Techstars after right. seven and a half years just to focus on this. And, you know, when you're when you have the time and the mental energy, you see all the things that are broken um, and all the things you want to fix. And so and all the things you want to grow. And so this year is really about laying the foundation so that we can scale even more. That's super exciting. Looking back all these years after law school, what, what are the main sort of things that you have learned? I know this is a big question, but you know, <laughs> what are the things that looking back you've said, oh, I wish I knew that? Yeah, I mean, I do think, you know, what we, what we started with, it all does come down to people. Um, you know, at the earliest stages of investing, we're indexing on people. And so just spending the time getting to know people, not chasing hot deals or hot verticals, right. but just going back to the core, which is like, does this person have a unique insight on the market? And when I follow that methodology of investing, now that I have data over eight years, it goes well. It goes well. These are my best companies, right? If it's so, the wrong people in the right market. It doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. So look for people that have a unique insight. And sometimes it means they come from the industry, right? Um, sometimes it means that they experience something like myself, right? So I didn't come from, you know, the, like, the telco industry in any way, but, like, I saw a unique problem. And so I tend to index or those empath founders that are really solving a problem that they experience firsthand. And so I invest in a lot of first-time founders, um, but they have this like vision of um, what the problem is and how they see the world. And, and that seems to be the, the secret sauce for me. Wonderful. Jenny, great to see you. Thank you so much. Let's go and have lunch. Yes. <laughs>